morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. The If You Market podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data, and I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Michelle Vanderpass of Grace Point Publishing about how and why to write a book. Uh, Michelle's an entrepreneur, book publisher, TED Talk speaker, and she lives in Colorado Mountains with her family, two dogs, and 40 goldfish. Uh, Michelle, I got to ask you a question on that now. Is your family the two dogs and 40 goldfish, or do you have human family also there? I have human family also, including a, a teenage daughter and a husband of many, 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 many years. So, yep. Fantastic. Uh, I was worried about the, the, the family uh, unit there. And then the 40 goldfish, I assume you have names for them all that we'll hear throughout the podcast? Yeah, I don't remember them anymore. <laughs> I'm too old for that. <laughs> it's like when you call your kids by the wrong names, right? That's how it is with my goldfish. Yeah. I just give my kids numbers and I only have two of them. That's how bad I am. There so you goldfish, go. you can just be like, number one, number two, number three. Yeah. It's like that old Dr. Seuss book. Yeah. Thing one, one and thing two. Oh, I got one fish, two fish, red fish, there four you go. fish going in my mind. <laughs> I think I read that one last night. Um, not even for my kids. It's just my bedtime reading. That's how illiterate I am. Um, <laughs> okay. That's why we do a podcast, not a blog. I read one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish as an adult. So let's get into this. Uh, Michelle, I love your name cause I can pronounce it. I always have a difficult time with names on the show and beyond that writing a book. Can you tell us about, I guess your company kind of what you guys do to start with and what you do there? Yeah. So I've been a book publishing coach for 20 years. I published my first book 21 years ago, way before On Demand and Amazon and all that. And I'm co-owner of a traditional publishing company where we accept manuscripts and review manuscripts and publish, uh, just like any traditional publishing company. But that our company also does consulting for those who want to self-publish. And we also have a hybrid model where people can pay us to help market their books or we help market other people's books. So we have different arms, but basically help anyone and everyone who wants to publish a book, make them uh, get something out that's professional, looks good, doesn't look self-published, and um, actually has a chance of selling some copies. Right. So in this, I think I hear a goldfish in the background there barking. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you're going to hear my dog saying <laughs> it. Um. Whoa, no problem. Oh, wow. so, we have full-on guests. <laughs> so now, is where, even though we're not supposed to mention the pandemic, it's because I'm working from home this week. <laughs> yeah, so everyone on. knows we record on a very different schedule and release on a different schedule than um, a lot of podcasts. So listening to this, we're in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic lockdown. So everybody's working from home, and the sound may be a little different than normal, and we may occasionally have... I don't know, a uh, food delivery person show up or uh, some dogs or family members or um, all kinds of fun podcast bombing going on. Yeah. And, you know, even the people like on ABC News and I don't know, I saw Jimmy Kimmel the other day and he's like <laughs> <laughs> interviewing over Zoom now. Right. And so yeah. it's not just us. But yeah, sorry about that. But OK, my dogs are outside now. Yeah, I saw one the other night where um, I, th I think it was Colbert. And half the interview, the guy couldn't figure out how to get his sound on. So oh, yeah, I saw that same one. I saw that same one. <laughs> and they just kept going. And I was like, I know we're in the middle of something, but you can still edit, right? And I think yeah. they thought, hey, this is kind of fun. We'll just leave it in. Um, yeah, I know. And and then I think they figured out how to do the call-in feature. You and I, we've been yeah. using Zoom for years and years and years. So it's funny to watch these people try to figure it out. Yep, yep. And now we have potential bandwidth issues. Usually our sound's very good, but... Every one of my neighbors is streaming Netflix. So hopefully for you listeners, everything will continue smooth and all the interruptions will be fun. Um, <laughs> I've instructed my family, hey, I'm in the back room. If you need your shoes or something, get them now. I don't want you storming in in the middle in a fight or having me settle some hash. So yes, it always ends up coming up somehow. We try to keep the podcast about the topics here um, because you will listen to this later, but it'll be a fun little time capsule to remember, uh, remember when. Remember when, yeah. So uh, did I get your question answered there, Sky, about... Yeah, I believe publishing? so. Okay. I mean, your company is a traditional... You actually publish books, like book books. 
yeah. um, for all the blogs. And now people call themselves publishers because they have, um, you know, a website, um, a WordPress site that they can post your blogs to or something. You're a traditional publisher. You can actually um, support a book, have a, you know, a real printed book printed with, with a publisher. Yeah, yeah. Put, yeah, not, not a co-publisher, but a real publisher. Yeah, and not only that, you know, your book has a chance of actually getting into stores and libraries and so forth yeah. when you go through a traditional publisher. What's a store? I forget. I'm in three weeks here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, keeps poking its head up. Um, okay, so that's kind of what your company is. I get it. Now, what about you? What's your day-to-day -day like there? Are you reading people's uh, book transcripts all day and saying yes or no? Or what, what are you up to? So that's part of what I do. Um, I also have a team of people that, that does that. Um, but I will, um, I do book coaching. I help authors flush out what their book might be, who their reader is. So I actually am on, you know, Zoom with clients and help authors get their idea from their head onto paper and into a manuscript. I work with editors. I work, work with book designers. I work with cover designers. Um, I do marketing. I work with my social media team, right? I'm managing a company and managing a team of people to help get books out. But I also do book consulting. So I have a whole section of my day, which is um, clients and focusing on them and helping them write and publish their books. So you're all over the place, basically. <laughs> oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Running the show, right? yep. So yep. That part of what you said in my bio is entrepreneur, and I am. And most entrepreneurs like to do lots of things in the day and not focus on one thing. That's one of the things that makes most entrepreneurs strong. Entrepreneurs is they're willing to dive in and do lots of pieces. I mean, I have a team, so I'm I may throw together a book cover, but I'm not a book designer. I'm not don't do that. Right. But um, it keeps my day more interesting. You I get to review I, a cover and say, hey, um, maybe this is a bad idea. And yeah, fun. totally. And, and you know, book covers can make or break a book. I saw one the other day, and I respect the book and all, and I won't um, mention exactly what it is, mostly because I can't remember it. But I had to share it around remotely around my office because – Sometimes you see these covers and it's like the FedEx logo where you say, look, right in the middle of this, you know, look what's hidden in this image. <laughs> you saw this when you put it together, but we're seeing right. the reverse of it. And there's a giant phallus in the middle of this book is all it is or something like that. And you're right. just like, how did, did nobody review this? Did nobody notice what this looks like? The shapes you put together look a little salacious. I don't think this is what you intended. Um, so you get to see those kind of things and be like, Hey, Silly people, look what you didn't catch here. Yeah, mostly, I'll tell you, mostly what I see, um, especially from self-published authors that want to publish their next book a little differently, or from authors who put together a book cover that they're saying, hey, this is my idea. Mostly they're just too busy. Um, so rarely do I see like hidden images, and that happens once in a while, but mostly it's just too busy. They have lots of... Uh, uh, a photo in the back that is like um, maybe lots of people and the and the sunset and so they want to put the whole book on the cover basically yeah and it just doesn't work especially if you think that most of us buy books from tiny little images this big on Amazon and we're right. scrolling through it's got to just pop and stand out the cover so looks I, like an old MySpace page yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Someone mentioned Periscope to me the other day, too. Talk about a time capsule. I don't know if you remember Periscope. I remember that yeah. word, yeah. Yeah, it's, it was an old video program. But, yeah, you want a simple cover. Um, right, right. What about the long titles where people, they say, hey, here's my title, but then they want to put a paragraph of description as the title also. Yeah. Like one word, and then they say, and here's what that means. Right. And that's, that's like really good for SEO on your blog or your website, or maybe even this Amazon page, but not for the book cover and not for the book title for um, libraries and so forth, because it won't get indexed correctly. And so. Mm. Um, well, oh, I just thought of it as annoying when they're really long, but you're saying it's, if there's a practical indexing. Purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you really want, 
um, and, and it's easy to tweak. I, obviously, I can't think of an example right this second, but it's easy to tweak a title by just uh, turning words, the order of the words in a title so that you can take out words like the end of the, right? right. And you just flip the words. So if you want to say something like, um, I don't know, these are the foods you should eat in the Bible, you could just say biblical foods, right, for instance, right. right? And it and it conveys the same thing without having the long title. And I just happened to say that because I was working on a biblical book today. That's a time relevant, I guess, uh, right now as well. <laughs> yeah. like, quick, get your biblical self in order. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so with the with the titles, and I don't want to spend. I guess this is part of what we're talking about, but uh, we'll get to kind of the how and why of the books and stuff in a minute. Don't worry, listeners, we're not going to focus the whole thing on the cover. Um, but with the titles, it, um, it dawns on me that maybe you need longer titles because you're running out of titles. I mean, if I want to call my book War and Peace, I suppose I could go Peace and War, but that's been done, I'm sure, also. So I have to say War and Peace, how you know I won at business and conquered uh, all of my foes or something like that. Yeah. And I'd probably, um, how to conquer and win over your foes. Right. I just shortened right. it. <laughs> You're like you don't need the war and peace part. That's how to solve that problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you know, I'm sure every title is out there. I will usually against do, that. What's that? Does somebody come to you and say like, oh, hey, if you market, I already wrote a book called If You Market, so I'm going to sue you and say you can't call your book that. Um, is that an issue? I'm sure it is, but I haven't run into it. Uh, here's, here's what I know. If you copyright the book, you assign your ISBN, you have, and I'm sure we'll talk about ISBNs, but if you make sure that it's all correct and you do a little bit of due diligence, you you should be okay, right? I always right. I'm not a lawyer. I always have to preface preface all of that saying I'm not a lawyer. But for the most part, um, it's it's it, as long as it's a slightly different genre and the title's not exactly the same, you're okay. I am sure there are titles exactly the same on Amazon. In fact, I know right. there are. I'll search for something. I'll see two or three books with yeah. exactly. Especially a one or two word title, you're going to run into multiple. Right. But then the subtitle and the author, which is also assigned to the ISBN, will be different. And so it's clear that it's a different book. Right. So if you said, right. if you wanted to write a book on account-based marketing, and there was already an account book title at account-based market, you'd have to choose a slightly different title. I would choose a slightly different title because you want to stand apart anyway. Right. And it's and in the same genre, right? It's the Apple and Apple issue. No right. problem, Apple computers and Apple music until Apple decided to get into music and now we got a problem. Right, totally. And, you know, you can totally sell apples as fruit all day long and not even <laughs> be worried about Apple computers. Because totally right. different genre. I think the but fruit if, would actually sue the computers. They were here first. Yeah, <laughs> but if you wanted to come out with a different Apple computer, you'd probably have to call it Red Delicious Computers or something. You'd probably get away with it, right? I don't know. I bet your Apple would sue you for Red Delicious. <laughs> they might. They might. The point is you can always tweak a word. I, I think we're, you, right. we're still at a place. But music has the same problem. Yep. Yeah, I saw a post just today about um, somebody, uh, some, some really smart guys saying there are no new ideas. Just yeah. com new combinations. That's it. Right. And right. There's no new titles, just new combinations of words. So, you know. But we all have our unique fingerprint to put on it. We right. still have unique fingerprints. So we still have our own spin. We still have our own voice. We still have our own thoughts and energy and heart and compassion to put in it. Okay. So getting away from the cover, I think we've, uh, I think we've covered the cover uh, nicely. Let's move on to the meat and potatoes here of uh, why. Why should our audiences B2B marketers, so business to business companies, why should a marketer or an executive uh, or, or anybody in a, in a B2B company write a book? So really two reasons. 
the first reason is it sets you up as an expert, right? When you have a book, you can say, I wrote the book on this, I'm an expert. So if you have a digital marketing agency and you write a book on how to be a great digital marketer, it has set you up as the expert in that industry. Um, I give an example, you know, even a tire store owner can write a book about how to buy tires and mm -hmm. set themselves up as the expert on buy tires for me because I'm showing you exactly how and why to buy good tires, right? So if you're going to write a book on how to buy tires, you've got to collaborate with a comedian because that's going to be one hell of a boring book. <laughs> <laughs> Unless maybe people who are crazy about tires are like, I yeah, totally. book for me now, yeah. Or at least a checklist, like I don't really know how to buy tires. Anyhow, it'll set yourself as an uh, set right. yourself up as an expert. But here's the other reason: is as I think through this, it also helps you get really clear about what it is you're selling and what your message is. So you, as an author and as the expert, are forced to really hone in on what is it that your customer needs, what is it that your readers interested in, and that will make you a better salesperson, a better advocate for your own brand. It'll give you more confidence to be able to speak clearer and, and more precisely about what you offer and be able to stand on your expertise because you will have thought it through at such a deep level. So it's also a personal development journey as well to be able to be more confident about what it is that you do. But the, that's sort of the benefit, side benefit, because most people don't write a book for that. They write a book for their potential clients and readers. Right. So, I mean, you listed the two purposes, the two reasons to write a book, and neither of them was to make money by selling the book. Um, so you're saying the real purpose is the business when you're a business. I mean, if you're writing a, uh, a, you know, a mystery novel, you kind of need to make money probably. It would be weird to have these alternative purposes. But as a business, a lot of what we do is for the, for the branding, basically. Totally for the branding. And even mystery novelists, unless you're Stephen King or someone, you're not making a lot of money writing until you've written a few books. You're not going to make right. it off your first one. You're going to make it off third, fourth, fifth book. So writing is a labor of love. Just being an artist or a musician is a, later, a labor of love. But an entrepreneur can write one book put out a halfway decent book and it can last a decade. They don't have to write book after book after book to make money because it'll work as a lead magnet. You right. can use it as a giveaway. You can use it to promote yourself in the industry. You can use it. So when my next book comes out, hopefully by the end of this year, I'm hoping to come back on and promote mm -hmm. it with you. Right. So who knows? Yep. But then you use it to promote yourself. You use it as marketing for yourself, your business. And you can repurpose individual sections probably. Totally. Um, you can, can use it as a away. doorstop. Yeah. yeah. You could. A paperweight. <laughs> Feed it to your goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you sound like somebody who's done that before. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, a book really for an entrepreneur is a business card, really. That's the right, best right. way to use it and to establish yourself as an expert in the industry, to use it as a foundational piece, as a lead magnet to get you more business. That's how you make your money. I, now I want to write a book just so I can say that I literally wrote the book on. I don't even know what subject's going to be yet. Right. I'll, I'll find something <laughs> cool, like just being awesome. I wrote the book on being awesome. There you go. I'll choose another thing to be awesome at. Uh, <laughs> So bragging at cocktail parties, another good reason to write a book. That's uh, right. They're all okay. good reasons. So yeah, I get, and I know it was kind of, I'm sure the listeners are thinking, well, I understand why you'd write a book, but I still wanted to cover all the reasons why and point out that um, you know, Michelle's not saying, hey, write a book and I can uh, you know, come to me and I'll help you make a bunch of money off it. It's a branding thing. It's, it's something to help you know, raise your profile, the person who writes the book, uh, as a, for, for the expertise in the area, um, creating tons of content. So all great things. Now I imagine the listeners are thinking, great, so how am I going to write this book? But I also imagine it's not for everybody. Like, and I don't mean like maybe somebody just doesn't have a book in them, but who should, within business, are there people who should and shouldn't be considering writing a book? Like who is this actually for? So 
I, I think my answer to that is the first thing is the people who there, believe it or not, there are lots and lots of people out there who do not want to write a book. <laughs> there are lots of people out there who have never thought about writing a book. I run into them all day in our world. And in my business world, everybody wants to write a book. So you think everybody right. wants to write a book. How is that possible? But it's not actually true. It's a segment of the population. I would like feels- to have a book written. I don't want to actually write a book because that's a lot of work. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. It seems like so, the work equivalent of public speaking. Like we're terrified of public speaking because they're actually speaking. But you also know there's a ton of prep you have to do to not screw it up. Writing a book well, once you put it out, it's out. And so not only does it need to That's be good, right. you're putting all this down with your name on it. And it could just be a business card for how terrible your ideas are. But also, well, hopefully you work with someone like me so it wouldn't get published and be a terrible book. Well, not terrible. It could be beautifully written with terrible ideas. You know, so you could look at it and say, hey, this all sounds great. There's no terrible ideas. <laughs> No, if you got it, somebody will love your idea. Somebody will love your idea. I don't know. There was this little mustache guy out of Europe that wrote some pretty terrible idea books. There's some okay. there's some books you can write that are pretty terrible ideas. Okay. Uh, my my point being, I mean, but I, I I want to finish that. I want to finish that thought because oh, I'm thinking if you have the idea that you want to write the book, if you are um, inspired to write a book, then you should write a book. Mm-hmm. I will say that it is enough to write a book just because it's on your bucket list with no other expectation. That's okay. It really is. There are people who write memoirs and who write books and it never goes past their friends and family. And goldfish. They feed their goldfish, yeah. But they're self-fulfilled. They've checked something off their bucket list and that's okay. It's your expectation around it that changes what the book needs to to do out in the world, right? Right. So, you said something about um, you know people who want to write a book. I feel like in the business world, for the purposes of this, that the branding, the clarifying your messaging, setting yourself up as an expert, the majority of the people who probably should write a book in this space don't really want to. They're probably terrified of it. Um, but they're too busy, like you too and busy, I. Yeah. Right? Because they've got so many projects, it's just one more project because they're entrepreneurs. So it's just one more pingy squirrel creative yep. endeav- endeavor. So I just accidentally created a great transition in the next part here of how you're scared yeah. to death, but you're thinking, well, this is really something I should do. And right. being scared of it isn't a reason not to do something, it's something you really should do. But how do I jump into and do this? You're not yeah. a writer. Yeah. So there's different models, there's different ways. One is you hop on the phone with someone like me or a book coach or, right? And we outline what the book's gonna be. Takes me about 90 minutes to work with an author to really figure out their expertise, what the book should be. We bullet point it all. And I send you with week by week bullet points, write to these bullet points, send it back to me. We'll look at it, we'll massage it into a manuscript. That's one way. So hold on to the second way. We're going to use that as a teaser. Okay. Yeah. We're professionals over here. Um, (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. I say that because, again, we're in the middle of all this, and I'm sitting here looking uh, all disheveled in the middle of this coronavirus epidemic. So it doesn't look so much like a professional, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the how a little bit more. Um, And it sounds like you're you're kind of chopping it up into manageable bites here, which is – which is great, but uh, hold on one minute, listeners, and we will be right back on the Ify Market Podcast with uh, Michelle Vanderpass of Grace Point Publishing talking about how and why to write a book. Hey, everybody on the Ify Market Podcast. Thanks for listening. This is Garrett Marigut, co-founder and CEO of Directive. We do search marketing, SEO, and PPC for software companies, SaaS brands. Uh, we'd love to work with you. We do have 7K minimums. We do have clients who pay exponentially more than that. We work with mid-market and enterprise. Now, if you're not ready to hire an agency, but you still want to learn, we have a world-class product called Institute. It's directiveconsulting.com forward slash institute. And that will teach you 
how to do SEO PPC just like us. Uh, we work with brands like Allstate, Cisco, Tencent, Samsung, Sumo Logic, Matillion. I could go down the list, but yeah, awesome SaaS companies, awesome mid-market enterprise brands. But yeah, we'd love to partner with you as well. Feel free to go to our website, directiveconsulting.com, fill out our form, and we'll get back to you right away. Thanks. Welcome back to the If You Market Podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. We have to re-record this intro because I forgot your name and didn't have it in front of me. We have Michelle Vanderpass of Grace Point Publishing uh, here with us today talking about uh, how and why to write a book. Um, right before the break, we were getting into the how and uh, and you'd, you'd started to give one way to write a book, you'd, but I wanted to loop back to something way before that that you'd mentioned, uh, ISBN. And you said it, yeah. if, hey, you know what ISBN is. Let's make sure we talk about that. And then um, I thought, I have no idea what ISBN is. Sounds like an acronym, but I have no idea. So I looked it up during the break. International uh-huh. Standard Book Number. Can we talk about that really quickly? Yeah, totally. So um, stepping away here for a second, since you don't know what one is, I'm just going to show you. Any book you open that's been published professionally is going to have a number here on the copyright page, and it's going to say ISBN. And so everybody who's listening and watching to this so open your books and you'll see ISBN right there whoever government's buys, tracking us <laughs> i knew it <laughs> who, whoever buys the ISBN and assigns it to your book owns the not not the copyright of the words but owns the the package of the book like the publishing rights um yeah, the publishing rights, but here's how that works. So for instance, you write all your blog posts, they're on your WordPress site, you've copyrighted them, you own those words. Then you wanna publish them into a book and you come to someone like me, and I take those words, edit them together in a certain way, put a cover on it, lay it out in a book design, give it an ISBN, and then the publishing company owns the package of that book and can sell it for however long our contract is together. At, I see. So it's like right? the music, they own the, the song, the band right. makes the music, but they don't actually own the rights to the song. They can re-record the song, but they don't own that recording kind of. They don't. And they may not be able to re-record that song for a period of time or with another a producer, there may be some uh, contractual things in there, right? So that's why right. you got to read your contract. But they can also self-produce the song. So just like a self-published author can also go buy their own ISBN. So Having said probably all of the that, important part in the contract with your publisher is, you know, what are the what are the rights? Who owns this? Who owns that? How long? That kind of stuff. How long? Yeah. How long? And. Um, so, for instance, with, with Grace Point Publishing, we like to ask for rights of refusal for future books. So if we help an author make it really big, we don't want them to then go take all this success and go elsewhere, just like a record producer. We want you to hang yep. with us for the, your second book, too, right? Right. We created you. Now you're going to run off to a better deal somewhere or something like that. We yeah, I wouldn't ever say we created you, but we helped, <laughs> <laughs> we helped promote you. But the other important thing about an ISBN is Amazon does not require them. So you can publish on Amazon without an ISBN. You can't go to iTunes or iBook without an ISBN. You can't get into libraries without an ISBN. You can self-publish on Amazon totally without an ISBN. So we have, that's the little, um, you showed the barcodes and a bunch of numbers and stuff like that. We make a, a fake magazine cover for every one of these episodes. And at some point, our graphic designer, in order to make the magazines look more official, grabbed one of those little barcodes off something else and and stuck it down in the corner of the magazine to make it look like it's a real, real magazine. Now, the numbers on that barcode actually correspond to something. Like, people could look at that and figure out where that actually came from. Yeah, so a barcode's slightly different. The ISBN goes into a barcode, but it is often related to a price as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, right. there's a pricing one here, and then there's one with a bunch of numbers and dashes. It looks like right. So number. you look. So we looked on the inside of the book, which is just the ISBN. The back of the book is going to have the barcode with the ISBN embedded in it. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, I, I got to go look up one of your magazine covers and put those numbers in. <laughs> <and see laughs> yeah, what did we steal? That? It'll be like Time Magazine or just some random <laughs> magazine going to come after us now. Yeah. Um, the, here's the thing to know. I have had authors come to me who have published with another publishing company and the publishing company assigned the ISBN. They thought they self-published. Mm -hmm. They said, I self-published this book. I'd like to redo it. I'd like to up-level it as you were, right? Help you, have you guys help us market. And we can't because another publishing company assigned the ISBN. Right. You have to look at them and say, Hey, I, you remember those people you worked with, there's this legal stuff around how this actually works. Um, right. This you can write a different book. You can, we can publish a different book. We can take that book and totally strip it down and you can rewrite it, different cover, new title, new everything and write a new book. But, and so authors don't often realize what they're signing. Right. You don't 100% own your work when you work with the publisher necessarily, you're collaborating to an extent based on the contract. Even if you think you're self-publishing. Mm -hmm. And that's the piece that I want authors to be aware of. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Right. I if own a publishing part, company. You, you have an agency that you're signing with when you- You just publish. want to be clear. You just want to be clear about what you're doing, right? It's just like buying a house. Buying a house is not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing if you want to own a house, but you got to be clear what you're going into with the closing documents and your well, life you have to understand you don't own the house you own a mortgage on the house the bank owns the house until and people think <laughs> oh no i don't own the house no no you're making payments on it there's this contract and there's terms in it and right until you finish paying the bank owns the house um, yeah okay all makes sense uh so that's the isbn part of it i i'm glad we covered that i understand why you you said you want to make sure we we get to it Anything else on that before we jump back to the how? No, no, that's a, that's enough to put most people's mind boggling. <laughs> uh, okay, so the how, this is where, this is the market the shit out of it version of uh, writing a book, like how to write the shit out of a book. Um, yeah. Before the break, you had mentioned uh, kind of chopping it up. You'll get yeah. that, here's the topic, here's the, you, you help them, people create the general outline on the concept. Um, how often does that pivot when they give you their topic? How often do you say, well, it sounds like this is the real topic that we focus on. What you're talking about is a subtopic or something like that. So I, uh, pivot's an interesting word. I might just say polish and tweak. <laughs> so usually it's not a very big pivot because people know what their expertise is. Right. But we might polish and tweak it and hone it a little bit more or get a better aha for the book. Mm-hmm. Um, still using all your expertise and your original idea. Now, for uh, marketers, we should have the aha down, but we don't always. We're not uh, infallible, or they're not infallible. I always paint myself as a marketer just because I listen to a lot of smart marketers. But uh, having the aha, that's kind of you know, what we should really have. What is the, the signature line? What's the clickbait that's going to get people in? That's the topic. So having that down, I guess, is pretty important. And then you help them line up all the you know, all the details underneath, schedule it out, get them to actually write the sections and pieces. That's one way. That's one way. And that works for some people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work for everybody. Wouldn't, it doesn't work well for me, but it does work for some of my authors, right? So there are different models, different people write different ways. So before you get into the next way, I'm gonna ask if my way is, is one of the ways and that is to start writing, and then hopefully I know when I get to the end. Is that a successful way to write something? If you get words on paper, you're successful. So no matter what your way is, if there are words getting on paper, that is a success because the hardest part is just getting words on paper. I've found um, having that roadmap of the topics and everything, that's my way is generally a very unsuccessful way of writing stuff. Well, the, the problem is you may... And what I would and what I would say to you is you may be journaling rather than writing a book. Right. Because you're putting thoughts down on paper. 
Oh no. Even if I'm writing a post on Facebook, uh, you know, I just start and then go. And then all of a sudden I'm off in the weeds somewhere and lost and just making these weird little word, probably what you'd call a goldfish book just something like that. Yeah. Look, let so, me feed my goldfish. <laughs> but here's the thing. There's probably some really great nuggets in there that if we just took it through an editing process, would probably end up being a really profound post. Right. So your job is not necessarily to end up with a polished edited version. Your job is to get your wisdom out of your head onto the paper so that you can work with an editor. So I'm saying you probably are successful. You just haven't taken it to the next step, which is the editing process. I don't think I'm as bad as I joke about myself being. Right. That's what I'm saying too. And, um, and if you had some bullet points, up front right. that may give you exactly the structure you need to say this is the point but your marketing you know the aha you know the clickbait so you actually do know when it's supposed to end right so we've <laughs> got yeah we've got outline and break it up and then um what, what are some other kind of techniques for posting? so another way which tends to work for me better is i go away to a cottage in the mountains for three days like colorado or something just yeah. you and your goldfish Yep. And forced myself to sit down and write. And there's usually lots of chocolate and in my case, some drinking involved and lots of stomping and getting mad that I forced myself to do this. But usually by the end of two or three days, I've got some writing down. Wait, so the second technique involves alcohol, chocolate and isolation? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Believe it or not, that works. And, you know, you can substitute the chocolate and the alcohol for, uh, you know, your um, distractions of choice. Right. Uh, oh, so yeah. put any vice here and isolation. Right. right. And so, you know, again, the pandemic rearing is suddenly head that we're not actually talking about here is that this is actually a good time to write for some people. Not for yeah. everybody. This does not work for everybody. But for some portion of the population, they just have to fight through all their inner demons and, and come out the other end and force themselves to a period of time long enough that they will eventually, okay, I'm here. I got to just write. I'll do it. So some writers, I feel like you're saying some writers, writing voice comes out once they've established cabin fever. Um, that's the best inner writer is a cabin fever. Uh, so you have to induce that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. I feel like most people listening say, I don't need to hear any more. And <laughs> all I need to do is go to the mountains and drink alcohol. I'll, I'll write a book. <laughs> um, I have another way though. Okay. Just in case, just in case. Yeah. Um, so this involves either working with somebody. So this is another way that works really well for me is I would have someone like you interview me and then we transcribe it all. Or my clients, I interview them over a period of a week or two and we get it all transcribed and that becomes the outline for the book. It's going to need some editing, but it's a way of getting it all out of your head. Um, and the other right. side of that is if you don't have someone to interview you, you just talk into your phone mm -hmm. or you just talk it out, all your thoughts, and then get them transcribed. And that's not a book, but it is words on paper that you can then use <laughs> as an outline to go edit and flush out. That's great. It's not a book, but it is words on paper. <laughs> yeah, because words on paper, believe it or not, that's the hardest part for most people. Right. They're like, I've got all these handwritten notes. I've got thoughts in my head. I've got stuff on an old laptop from 10 years ago. Right. You know, people have these thoughts from a lifetime on cards stuffed in desk drawers and recipe, back of recipe cards and, you know, all Once you get it on paper, you can put a cover on it and then you have a book. Well, right. you, you've got something to send me. <laughs> it's a random got, collection of drunk uh, mountain induced uh, ideas <laughs> and got a, michelle's sitting got here place, saying why did i say this <laughs> you got a place to start with an editor you do have That's a great. place right that at least you've got some something that you can start working with an editor on and turn it into a book yeah it seems the interview technique i've heard other people talk about doing it that way even if it's not you know let's say it's a, a biography um, obviously, it's going to be interview technique. Uh, you know, some 
obviously there's audio autobiographies, but you're going to have somebody interviewing you typically um, because they're going to ask you things about your life. You wouldn't even thought of putting in most likely. Right. And they're extracting the information to write a book about, um, you know, whoever X, Y, Z is. Um, but you can do that. You could do that with a business type book as well. Um, I suppose the interviewee would have to know the topic pretty well already to ask the right questions. So, so Sky, let me ask you, if you were going to, if, if you were going to write a book, what's the one thing you'd want your readers to know right now? <laughs> I am terrible with these kind of on the spot questions. Even yeah, okay. do but know, and that is not something I have any idea on, but um yeah, I, I see what you're so first you have to come up with a topic kind of right. So I would and for you, you know, for you it may be something like um you you know, to have a business you gotta have you gotta have cash flow, or it might be you gotta have customers, or it might be you have to learn how to market. Right? Any one of those three might be something that you would write about. Right. I might have it be something like post apocalyptic marketing, uh the future Perfect. marketing and what a great long what paragraph. A, uh, that's a great book title too. And so yeah. then we would say, okay, what does that mean? And we just start digging in. Right. Nothing to do with the pandemic, actually. Just more thinking of rather the future of marketing is kind of lame. So post-apocalyptic is better. But, you know, in a hundred years, how are we going to be marketing versus now? What's marketing going to look like? How is everything, technology and everything going to? A hundred years? I think that's going to be a real interesting question for a year from now, right. with or without the pandemic, because <laughs> technology changes so fast. Yeah. But when you look at how were we marketing a hundred years ago, pretty much everything is very similar today. We've changed the, the modalities some. We still write books. We wrote books then. But go back before the printing press and how were we marketing? Sure, we, we didn't have the ability to mass produce written documents, but marketing was still conveying an idea to somebody else about the values of your, you know, the general concepts were still there and they, they will always be. Now we have way more information. I'm helping you help me write this book now. Um, now we have so much more information about people that we don't just throw marketing out on a billboard. In the future, we'll all have our little uh, visual things where there's no billboards. Just in our eyes, we see our own billboard in the sky for pop-up ads literally popping up to us that are targeted just specifically to us based on everything they know about us from our Facebook profiles and our ancestors' Facebook profiles. We're <laughs> almost there now, right? Yeah. So there'll be some weird version of that probably or we won't even really have conscious marketing. AI will just know what the marketing was and feed you the actual end product. Um, and we'll be on uh, on that giant spaceship from um, Wally. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. Like Wally, like they fed those people. Anyway, so yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, you start with some sort of concept, you kind of extract, as an interviewee, you're extracting these ideas out. And then at some point you help to organize them, put them on paper, and right. edit, edit down and create a book out of it. Totally. And, and I would say what you're looking for is an expert interviewer rather than someone who's an expert in your subject because mm -hmm. you have been able to interview me about book publishing and you're right. not an expert. You know a little bit, but you're able to, and you're able to extract things that are interesting to you which could end up in a book. So it's more the interview process than the other person needing to know anything about the subject. One of my main takeaways so far is I have figured out that you feed bad books to your goldfish the way Hannibal Lecter fed people to his pigs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell my clients. Now I know why you have so many goldfish. Very suspicious. <laughs> you, you want, so you want to know the real reasons? Because I have a huge greenhouse. And I use the fish water to fertilize. Oh, wow. That is cool. I would have never even supposed that. I figured maybe you had a large tank and one goldfish just wasn't enough. Yeah, um, well, that, yeah. <laughs> but there you go. So see, there's usually a reason behind stuff. That's awesome. You're watering your greenhouse with fertilized water from goldfish. Yep. Is that a thing or did you invent that? No, no, that's a thing. It's a growing dome and the the um, tank is a huge tank that's in the greenhouse that holds the heat in the winter. The water right. holds the heat. It's a solar process. So now I'm going to interview you for a book and it's going to be titled Why I Have 40 Goldfish and No, I Don't Eat Them. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I, could, I could technically raise tilapia, mm -hmm. but 
I haven't in in the tank. Right. So, but goldfish, why not tilapia? I mean, why not something you could eat? Is it just because the goldfish are prettier? And and they were ninety nine cents at the pet store <laughs> started now, but Makes they're sense. huge now. They're like this big. Yeah, they're edible. Yep. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So I get it. The interview process. You're having somebody go through, kind of extract the information from you, help you put it down on paper. Is the interviewee usually the same person that's going to now help turn those words into a book? Because I imagine if someone else is, ex- is extracting, how often does the writer, quote unquote, then turn that into a book? And how often do you have an editor that helps you turn it into a book? Yeah, I've got editors at every level, including ghostwriting. So you right. could have a ghostwriter interview you and then totally write the book. And that's ghostwriting. Do um, ghostwriters also our interviewers? Is that a big part of the ghostwriting? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Uh, but that's a, that could be an expensive process. That could be ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars or even more in some cases. That's um, a lot of money just have, to say at cocktail parties you wrote the book on. Yeah. But that works for a lot of people. There are a lot of people, like most celebrities don't write their own books. They have ghostwriters. They can afford it. It's easy. They're um, doing lots of projects. Not every every celebrity, but a lot of them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's another way to get a book written that we didn't even cover. Um, Lots of CEOs use ghostwriters. Lots of companies use ghostwriters. There's nothing wrong with that. I would imagine very few CEOs, you're better at delegating and you know you're not a great book writer, but you want to get your thoughts and ideas, put it up onto paper. Yeah. So if you've got the money, that's a great way to do it. And and I work with authors who have done that. Not a lot, but a few. The -hmm. next step down from that, though, is you work with someone to interview you it all gets transcribed, maybe work with an editor to get it in some kind of order. Then you dig in and you flush out some of those thoughts. Then you give it back to an editor and there's a back and forth process. That's pretty intensive. Could be expensive, maybe 10K. What's the least expensive, let's say, way to write a book and still work with a publisher? Uh, you bring the, the, so here's one way. You bring a highly polished edited a manuscript to someone like me and or other, another small publisher the big publishers won't do this because they still work with agents and so forth and need a track mm-hmm. record and all that bring it to someone like me a smaller publisher that works individually with authors we don't work through agents but it needs to be a polished manuscript we take the if we agree to take the book we take the book we publish it for you at no charge and pay your royalty how much of a book is read before you decide? So do you read the first two pages? Do you read until you decide no? How, how deep do you get or do your people get into a book when trying to make a decision? Whoa, that's a good question. So, and it's a little different. So for me, almost, I would say 100% of the authors that we take on have been referred to me. I have a phone conversation with them first. I understand who their audience is first. I understand what they're trying to say before I ever read the book. So by the time I look at the table of contents and read some samples of their writing, I know if it's a fit for us. So you basically, it's like somebody pitching a startup to you. You you know before you've started to read all the details, yeah, this Although, is idea this person can do it. I pretty much, so because we're small enough and we have a small team, by the time someone comes to me or one of my partners or one of our other review manuscripts, we say, this isn't a book for us. Don't bother sending us the manuscript. If they've right. passed that, that place and they've sent us a manuscript, we're pretty sure it could be a fit if the writing's good enough. So are you saying, not, is this your way of saying that you don't actually read them ahead of time? Or? <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I'm saying I may not read it word for word. So right. I accept, I would accept a table of contents and two set, sample chapters right. for someone to submit. So I It don't may have, not be fully written by the time you guys take right. it. Right. I don't have to, I need to see a good writing sample in a, in a sample ch- ch- table of contents, knowing it might change. Right. So in the same line of questioning, do you ever get a book where you say, 
let me read the first uh, couple pages or paragraph to see what this is, get a better feel for this. And you find yourself reading the whole book. Ah, you just can't put it down. <laughs> you say, wow, this is really good. I got to know what happens next. <laughs> uh, because I read so many manuscripts and almost everything that I read is business and self-improvement. I tend to scan a lot of it. Not a lot of whodunits where you, you got to read everything. I read that. So I don't do any fiction, which is kind of, you have to read. Yeah. Right. That's more fiction. Um, and I just, I have too much to read during the day. Yep. I just, so it's, it has nothing to say about an author. I have had books that come to, I've, I've gone after authors though. Mm -hmm. I have gone after authors. In fact, two that I'm publishing here in the next couple of months that I've said, I want your book. I want your book. We want your book. How do Even you, you say you've gone after book. them? Are they already authors and you want their next book or are you seeing people's social posts and you're like, Hey, we got to turn this guy into a book or this girl into a book. Um, yeah, what, uh, one, so one person I'm going after right now who has not been signed has a big social media following and I love what she's saying. So yes, I'm going after her. Someone else has been a published author and I want her next book because it's a healing book and I think it's relevant for where we're going. A third person I have known for a long time, I'm just talking about three people off the cuff here, that I've known for a long time that's been talking about writing a book and I know that his message is really good and so I went after him. You mentioned social media following. How big is that? I mean, let's say we have an executive and they're thinking, okay, this, this is a good point. I should write a book or maybe somebody earlier in their marketing career and they're like, hey, let me write the book on XYZ and it'll really help my career out. Should they have a good sized social following first? I mean, it seems like if you can't, this content on social media and get people to follow it writing a book about the same kind of content you could almost start writing posts that you will then later turn into the book and see if you can get people to follow and then once you have the following now you have a built-in audience for the book so with somebody with no so real social following should they focus on the social following first before writing a book uh, good question there's two questions in there one is people like Seth Godin and Tim Ferriss test their marketing all the time on social media, test their, they put blog posts up and then take it. And, Never heard of those guys, but okay. Um, uh, okay. And edit and edit and turn them into a book later, right? They test concepts, they put out things, they say, what do you think? They say, I'm thinking about this, right? So absolutely test your material on blog posts, um, on social media and so forth. But I think that the bigger question is if you're an entrepreneur or a small business and you want to write a book, you ought to have an audience somewhere anyway, right. either in person, someone who walks through your door in email on social media, we're presuming you have some kind of audience anyway, even if it's small. And so if you haven't figured out how to build your customer base, I would say take a breath and go build your business first because you need that cash flow for any of it. That's just good business sense. Right. Having a social media presence is going to help your business. It's going to help your book. It's going to help your everything, your marketing, everything. So should you have social media in today's age yes but not just for your book right. career. so when you start a new job you the first thing you go to your boss you're the new marketing manager you shouldn't go to your um to the director of marketing and say hey i think i should write a book <laughs> he's gonna say hey you focus on the company a little bit first and then this book thing sounds like a nice side project at some point yeah it's a good it's another way to market yourself but you know um if not, so you can't go get a big publisher like Random House or HarperCollins or any of the really big ones without having a big following somehow, right? Because right, they right. want to know that you can sell a book. Well, that's just good common sense for anyone. If you're going to um, launch a new product or put up a sales funnel or even promote your course, you need to have some kind of following. So again, it just goes back to build your customer list, build your client base. Hmm. So the book so, is another way to market. 
Another how for creating a book, maybe for people's first book, would be to, in business, use a platform like LinkedIn to start writing posts and then thinking these posts are going to be turned into a book if I get people to pay attention. And then you can build audience for that book on LinkedIn. And then at some point you say, you know what, I have enough people here that seem to be interested in this. And I have all this content that I can print out on the paper and then I can go to Michelle and she can help me turn it into a book. And then you don't have the massive cost. You've created the audience, you've got the content and it was mildly painless. Yeah, well, that's a great way. Um, I, I don't know that it works. So there are some genres that that's not gonna work for. Probably for your audience, that's gonna work for most, that's gonna be a really good way to, if you are a massage therapist wanting to write a book, <laughs> that's probably not gonna work yeah. as well, right? Because those readers don't hang out on LinkedIn. Right. If you're oh, reader, I, I, of course, I was talking to our, right? specifically our but, B2B marketing audience. But your B2B people, absolutely. I just had to think it through for a minute, yeah. right? I forgot I that that's not your only audience isn't the, the same exact. Well, and I just had to think it through. But I think that's a really good strategy. I work with a lot of people who do blogging and then mm -hmm. bring me blog posts and say, is there a book here or not? They have like I a year. I want to write a book, but I don't want to write a new one. I already wrote a bunch of stuff. Yeah, totally. And and sometimes actually, yeah, we can edit that into a book. Yeah. By the way, you mentioned Seth Godin earlier in the episode. I mentioned these really smart people who were talking about no new ideas, just combining them. And uh, he was one of those very smart people that I, I I didn't name at the time, along with a previous guest on the show, um, uh, Sangram from. From, I'm blanking on the company, but uh, Sangram Vajre, I believe, uh, kind of the godfather of uh, account-based marketing. Um, wow. So just to you wrap hear things all my dogs circle, back there? Do I, I need think to go you're... close my door? Okay, one, one go... second. I'll, I'll uh, sing a song and hold the uh, interest okay. of the audience. Okay, all right. Here. This is nuts over here. And then, of course, they stop. I think what your dogs were saying is, we've taken it full circle. We're going over time here and it's time to wrap this thing up. Okay. Anything more uh, to throw on to this for the listeners? Uh, I guess, can you give me one thing definitely not to do if you're looking to write a book? So here, here's a couple of things. I think a lot of people want to write their story. I think writing your story can be really cathartic and really valuable to help you get to the next underneath about how then it can help other people. So don't write your book and then get so attached to it that you're not willing to work with an editor to really polish it. Mm -hmm. You have got to be in service with a good heart of helping other people. Otherwise you're gonna hang on to your words so much that you're gonna end up writing a me book instead right. of so being let's turn this for the listeners people aren't as interested in you as you think they are um <laughs> make your book about something else or it's going to end up goldfish food yeah and you can write your story as inspirational but usually i'll say that's an introduction why i wrote this story and then sprinkle it in with case studies sprinkle in stories sprinkle in pieces of your experience Usually, unless it's a memoir, this book is not right. about you. Go back to your marketing. What's in it for them? What's the benefit for them? Why do they want to buy? Same thing with the book. What's in I it guess for I'd, them? I'd say if you think there's a book about you to be written, somebody will come to you and ask you to write it because <laughs> people are interested in you. And uh, Michelle will come to you and say, hey, I think we should write a book about you. If nobody's coming to you saying you should write a book, then it's not about you. It's about your expertise and how yeah. you can help others, just like in marketing, what's in it for them. Uh, fantastic. Um, all right. I want to get a couple things out there. Grace, your, uh, your company's website, I believe, gracepointmatrix.com. Is that right? Yeah, or Grace Point Publishing. They can just bypass the corporate and just go to Grace Point Publishing. They'll both end up same place. Fantastic. We'll put that on the, on the show notes along with uh, any other information I'm about to give out here. 
Also, I believe you're involved in a Women in Publishing Summit. Uh, do you want me to mention that, that I've already mentioned and put that out there or no? Um, yeah, I think uh, that comes out once a year, that summit. Mm -hmm. And so depending when this podcast airs, but the Women in Publishing, they're fantastic people. Um, and they do a lot to promote uh, publishing and women in publishing. So they're just great people too. Excellent. And then you can find uh, Grace Point Publishing on Facebook, anywhere on social media, just, uh, you know, use the handy dandy search bar. And then to, to find uh, Michelle Vanderpass, um, can people find you on LinkedIn? They can, they can find me on LinkedIn and they can also find a link to me on, on the publishing website. Excellent. And we'll put uh, links uh, to your LinkedIn in the publishing website as well. In the show notes, I want to thank everybody for listening here to the If You Market podcast. We've had uh, Michelle Vanderpass of Grace Point Publishing on to talk about the uh, how and why for, uh, for writing a book. And so again, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with a book, they will come. Is your data company ignoring and gouging you? or gouging and ignoring you. Those are the main reasons our customers move from the previous list provider, Mountaintop Data's Top Data Search platform. What's Top Data Search? Well, with Top Data Search, you can search our database of 20 million plus business contacts and download lists with complete contact information. It's a convenient tool for both sales and marketing departments to get accurate lists. It's free to have an account. There's no annual contracts, no seat fees. Top Data Search is just easy access to accurate data. And when you reach out to us with questions, we actually give you answers. Visit topdatasearch.com and sign up for a free account with the coupon code IYM300 and get 300 free credits. Or if you're just curious, go to topdatasearch.com and run some searches on our open search tool, no account needed, by clicking the search now button. That's at topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>